I just want you to know that God is active. His Spirit is moving and doing things everywhere, all over, not just here in Western North Carolina, but all over this country, all over this world. And He is trying to awaken little hearts to His voice. And uh, we can do something to help that. And we can be a part of that. He wants us to be included in this awakening of hearts. And I, I want to tell you more about that. Um, I, I just want to tell you right now, uh, kind of the thing of I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you, and then I'm going to tell you what I told you. And, and so uh, I want to tell you that the thing that God uses to awaken our hearts is, is His Word and prayer. And there's a beautiful thing that, you know, when we come together, uh, we have those elements because we know that, uh, you know, a pastor or a human or uh, a brother or sister, uh, we, we can't change people. <laughs> That's something only God can do. He can only change spirits, awaken spirits. And so um, we, we try to bring these elements into what we do when we come together. We try to have the Word of God present. We try to have prayer present. And uh, one of the beautiful things about worship uh, when we're singing is, is that there's the Word of God. And if, if you're really focused as you're singing, it, it becomes a prayer at the same time. So it's the Word and prayer. And that's why for some people, worship is a very powerful moment for them uh, the Lord really uh, does things in their hearts when that's going on. So I just want to tell you that, you know, this, this Bible is sitting right here. Uh, I know a lot of you are really familiar with the Bible. Uh, you've heard the word Bible. You've heard things spoken from the Bible. But I want you to know that there is something supernatural about this. Uh, when it's sitting there all by itself, it's just a book. But I pick it up and I read it and it becomes Supernatural. Uh, someone speaks it to me and it becomes supernatural. Uh, there is something very special about this. And today I, I want to share with you about the lives of two young people that were influenced by the supernatural Word of God. And uh, I, I'd like you to turn to 1 Samuel 3 if you got a Bible. If not, uh, you know, you can look it up on your smartphone, that sort of thing. We'll, we'll have some things on the screens for you too if you don't have anything like that. Um, Oh, and I have this little bookmark to remind me. Uh, we did a series on spiritual ID, and I threw a whole bunch of verses at you all at once that kind of spoke to who we are in Christ, our identity in Christ, and where those are found in the Scripture. And uh, a lot of people were asking about that, so Doris helped uh, help me put this together, this uh, card with all these verses on it in one place. And if you want them, they're free. Uh, they're over at Information Booth or somewhere around over there. So... Uh, grab one of those. First Samuel 3. Let's, uh, we're just going to read this uh, out loud here. Uh, here. Here we go. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. But Eli said, I, I didn't call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Some of you with four-year-olds and five-year-olds are remembering some moments like this when your kids come up with excuses to get up out of bed at night. Uh, Eli may have been thinking about this. But 
Verse 7 says this and distinguishes it this moment. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Verse 8, the Lord called Samuel a third time and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. Eli told Samuel, I want you to go and lie down and if he calls you, say this, speak Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there calling as at the other time, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak for your Lord, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, see, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears it tingle. And at that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons made themselves contemptible and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. Samuel lay down until the morning and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision, but Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel answered, here I am. What was it he said to you? Eli asked, do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything he told you. So Samuel told him everything hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, He's the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. You know, you might be in a season of life where you might be thinking about having children. And maybe the thought has crossed your mind as you're thinking about that. Why should I bring a beautiful life into this world only to have it scarred and hurt by the darkness and evil of our times? You might be in a season as a parent aware of your young people in your home that are growing up. And you're aware of maybe some of those statistics that are out there that say that after kids leave home, they usually don't return to church. You might be asking yourself, what can I do? What can I do that I can have hope to bring a life into this world? What can I do for the young people that are already in my home that can ensure them that they live a life with hope, with the Lord? You know, you might be scratching your head going, is it all up to chance? Is there nothing I can do about it? Is it just a roll in the dice? And today I want to say it is not. It is not just rolling the dice. It is not by chance that your child chooses to walk with God. I want to tell you that there is hope. Now, as humans, we cannot change another person's spirit, even your children. Only the Spirit of God can awaken the spirit of a human. Flesh gives birth to flesh. Spirit gives birth to spirit, John 3.6 says. But God has given us something, and if we get around that something and have some regular contact with that something, there is power and hope that can change a life. And that something has been given to us by God and can be activated by His Spirit. It is, what is this something? It is the living and enduring Word of God. You and I cannot awaken another person's spirit 
But you and I can foster that awakening by bringing the Word of God into the atmosphere of our lives. And it can be like miracle grow in a greenhouse. That's what the Word of God can do. It can make roots go down. It can make stems and plants and branches go up and fruit be born. You can bring the Word of God into the orbit of a young person in your life. And it's like the gravity of the sun to send them on to the right trajectory. That is what happened for two young people in the Bible when they came in contact with the Word of God, despite difficult family circumstances. Let me tell you about Samuel. Samuel came from a feuding family with a father who had two wives at the same time. And so there was some battles going on between the mothers, some jealousy. That fighting spread through the family. Samuel was given up to God to be raised outside of his home in the temple of the high priest's family. Maybe it was God's mercy for him to be there. But when you look at it from the outset, you might just say, man, out of the frying pan and into the fire. Because Samuel wasn't brought up in that feuding family, but instead he was thrown into Eli's dysfunctional family. Eli, the high priest, uh, never learned to tell his sons no. And they grew up doing whatever they pleased, cheating the people of their sacrifices at the tabernacle. It was a great injustice, and they were causing a lot of problems, and people knew about it. Eli had, had uh, been warned to tell his sons, to talk to his sons. He, he refused to do that. And then when he did do it, he didn't do it with strength. He didn't do it with courage. And so his sons continued to, to practice this, these evil things. So God told Eli that in allowing his sons to do this, he was honoring his sons more than honoring God. What a sad statement. What a sad statement. But one of Samuel's duties, little Samuel, when he came to this family, this high priest family, was to tend to the holy place. The holy place, not the place, the inner most holy place where the Ark of the Covenant was, but the holy place where there was a lampstand that had oil continually burning light, uh, altar of incense where there was incense continually be offering, representing the prayers of God, and then the showbread of table uh, that had 12 loaves representing 12 tribes of, of Israel. Eli, uh, uh, Samuel was responsible for helping tend that. And so he was making sure that the oil was in the lampstand, incense was continually burning at the altar. And because of these daily duties, duties that often carried late into the night, Samuel's sleeping space ended up at the tabernacle entrance. And you go, wow, what a cool place to fall asleep at. You know, right next to the presence of God. What a beautiful thing. Now, we don't know how long Samuel had been doing this. He may have been there for a couple of years, sleeping at the entrance of the Lord. But we're told that Samuel did not yet know the Lord. He's been hanging out. He's been carrying out the duties. He's been hearing teaching and preaching about it. But the word of the Lord had not been revealed to him. What, what do they mean? The eyes of his heart had not been opened yet. That's what that means. But Samuel was, was within calling distance. And even though Samuel didn't first recognize the Lord's voice, Samuel was within calling distance so that his heart heard the Lord's voice and he responded. And I want to tell you right now, and what I'm going to start telling you, is that we've got to get young people within calling distance. How do you do that? How do you do that? Well, we know as Christ followers that Jesus made it clear that knowing God is the whole ballgame. 
Knowing him is salvation. It's life forever, John 17, 3. It's clear from Samuel's story and from what we see of religious people in Jesus' day, that physical proximity to a tabernacle or temple or church doesn't guarantee that you'll know God. Knowing God comes from God revealing himself. And when he does this, even if it's just a moment, it can awaken a spirit. You know, there are some churches uh, out there that state that their, their mission, um, that they're setting out to reach people that are far from God. Now, I understand what they're saying when they say that, and, and I appreciate it. But really, the truth is, is that each one of us is not far from God. God. In Acts 17, it says that He is not far from each one of us, meaning each one of us on this planet God is not far from each person who exists, and He is arranging times and places for each of us so that we might reach out and find Him. That's what God is doing. That's what His Spirit is doing, actively doing today. And all it takes is for someone to reach out and find Him. And, you know, and that's the one good thing that Eli taught Samuel to do. Samuel, when you hear the Lord call your name, say, speak. Lord, for your servant is listening. Reach out to him. Receive what he has. That's what Samuel did. And from that point, he kept on doing that. And the scriptures say, the Lord continued to appear at Shiloh. And there he revealed himself, revealed himself to Samuel through his word. So how did Samuel come to know the Lord? How was the eyes of his heart awakened? It was through the word. The word of the Lord. It wasn't just physical proximity. Physical proximity brought the chances up of maybe him hearing because in the physical proximity there were things of the Lord going on. You know, older generations, hear this. If you desire to see the hearts of younger generations awaken to God, you've got to help bring the Word of God to them. The Word of the Lord has to be read. It has to be spoken. It has to be lived out within the younger generation's presence. That is getting a person within calling distance. We've got to get the Word of God out there. It's, it's like throwing gasoline on a stack of, of, of wood. And, and then all it takes is for that young person to reach out, to reach out towards God, and it's like a match being thrown on that wood soaked in gasoline. It just takes a moment to awaken the Spirit and the Spirit to be on fire. I know some of you might be going, ah, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about here. Can I just remind you of the power of the Word of God? I, I just want to show you, uh, just do a little run through here of Scriptures and what, what it says about itself. Let me remind you. 1 Peter 1.23, For you have been born again through the living and enduring Word of God. Psalm 19.7, the Word of God can revive your soul. Psalm 19.8, the Word of God can give joy to your heart. Some of you might say, man, joy has been missing. Maybe you need to invest some time in the Word of God. The Word of God can give light to see which direction to take. Your Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light for my path. Some of you wanting direction, wanting to know which, which choice do I take, 
Maybe you need to get into the Word of God to let it be a light for your path. The Word of God can keep a young person's way pure. Psalm 199, how can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your Word. Hebrews 4.12, the Word of the Lord is living and active, able to help you discern and sort out your own thoughts and attitudes of your heart. You ever get fed up with yourself about how introspective you are and, and how you're always meddling and thinking about your thoughts and going, oh, I, I don't know. I'm, and you get yourself, you think yourself into a hole. You, you just get all depressed about it because you're so introspective. Some of you need to stop that and just read the Word of God instead. Let the Word of God sort out your thoughts for you. He will do a better job of it. He will help you not go into a hole, not go into a depression. Let the Word of God sort your thoughts out. The Word of the Lord is like food that feeds and energizes your life. Some of you are just dragging. You're dragging. You're, you're weak. You need to eat the Word of God. Help give you some energy for your life, for living. What did Jesus say? My food is do the will of the, of the Lord. The will that's found in the Word of God. Jeremiah 23, 29, the Word of the Lord is like a hammer that can break any stony heart and is like a fire that can set any heart ablaze. Romans 10, 17 says, where does our faith come from? It comes from hearing the message, hearing the word of the Lord. The message is heard through the word of Jesus Christ. Listen, folks, you want to see your change? You want to see change in your children? You want to see change in the next generation? You want to see the world change? Then we have got to get people in contact with the word of God because it has transformative, supernatural power. It is how we can go from just hanging around a church building, knowing about God, to being a living part of the body of Christ, one who knows God and is known by God. Samuel was in proximity to the church, but wasn't until he had contact with the Word of God and called out that his life began to orbit around the Lord God. That's what you want, isn't it? For your children, for the young people that are around you, wherever you're at, in your neighborhood, or at the school, or where at workplace, the people that you see. You don't want just Jesus on the periphery of people's lives, a cultural Christianity, do you? We want to see Jesus at the very center of our lives, being Christ followers. Look at another young life who, just like Samuel, in just one moment, the whole trajectory of his life was changed. His name was Josiah, and his grandfather and father were some of the most evil kings known in the history of Judah. You know, I, I hear people talk about kids from bad families and bad circumstances, and you go, man, what hope is there for them? I, there is still lots of hope for them. God is working. God can reach them. But I want to tell you, he might want to use you and me to help reach them. Well, Josiah, he had a whole family that brought evil into the family, but not just the family, but a whole nation. His grandfather, Manasseh, actually built altars to other gods and set them up within the temple of God. He set up a giant Asherah pole, which had to do with fertility worship, and it was a giant phallic symbol in the temple of God. And then along with that, Manasseh threw in uh, male shrine prostitutes into the very temple of God. Manasseh even sacrificed one of his own sons in fire to a false god. 
Now when Manasseh's son Ammon, Josiah's father, came and took the throne, the times were so evil that Ammon's own administration, the people that helped him stay on the throne, decided to assassinate him. And they killed him after two years. It was then that all the the people of, of the land of Judah rose up, they killed the assassins, and then they put Ammon's son, Manasseh's grandson, Josiah, on the throne at eight years old. Now, I don't know about you, but thinking about an eight-year-old ruling a country might be a little frightening. And so uh, there were advisors, the people that helped put him there that were around his life. And for the next 18 years, uh, Josiah is guided by those advisors and those counselors who got him to the throne. The, the worship of God is not dead at this time, but it's, it's still in a mixed confusion uh, from the, the system set up by, by the grandfather. The, it's, it's still side by side, worship of God along with these false gods, all going on in the temple. But something interesting happens when Josiah is 26 years old. And I, I kind of wonder about that time from 8 years old to 26 year old, who were some of those counselors, who were some of those uh, guidance people in Josiah's life? Because there must have been something going on there where Josiah was tender to the things of God. Because Josiah sends his assistant to see how repairs to the temple are being carried out by the high priest. So there is some sort of concern for what's going on at the temple. There is some sort of concern about uh, God and, and the worship of God in his country. His assistant returns with a book that was found in the temple by the high priest. Now things are so bad that even the head of the leader of the Hebrew faith, the high priest, doesn't know where the book of the law is. When they're cleaning out the temple, they go, hey, what's this? And it's, it's the Pentateuch. It's the, it's the Word of God. It's, it's, it's the book of the law. It had been forgotten for so long, they didn't even know where it was. Not even the head leader of the whole shebang. So nobody around Josiah knows up from down. But just Josiah's assistant, go ahead, and, and he reads this book. He reads the Word of God. And something happens with this assistant. Because after reading the book of the law for himself, he decides that it should be read aloud in front of Josiah the king. I, you know, this is where I wish there were a little more details in the Bible. I wish there could have been just a little more. It's like, what, what made him think to do that? What was going on? What compelled him? But something compelled him to read the Word of God in front of Josiah. He doesn't even announce it as the Word of God. He just says, the priest is giving me a book, and he starts reading it. And I don't know if that's because he's scared, he's not sure how Josiah's going to react, or what. But he just starts reading it, and you know what? That's all it takes. Josiah's attention was immediately captured, and the word of the Lord starts awakening his heart. And what Josiah heard immediately alarmed him, and it grieved him. His response, he immediately tore his robes as a sign of sorrow and utter regret. It's kind of like that description we see in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, talking about what godly sorrow looks like and true repentance. That is what's going on in Josiah's heart. And he asked his assistants uh, and and, and Hilkiah, the high priest, to go inquire of the Lord and find out what's going to happen. Because what I've heard from what you've read, there are some bad consequences that are going to happen to us for the sins that we've committed. We didn't know they were sins because no one told us. We didn't have this book of the law around to warn us. But because he heard from the book of God, he knows that there's some bad things coming. So Josiah 
sends off Hilkiah. And again, this is how bad it is. Again, they don't turn to Hilkiah and say, tell us what the Lord has to say. Hilkiah, the high priest. Instead, they go, see if there's still somebody in this country that hears from God. And they have to do a search party. And they do find, after the search party goes out, they find that there's one woman that still, she's, she's a prophetess. She's a, prophet, a woman prophet of God. And she inquires of the Lord for the leaders of the country. And she comes back to them and she tells Josiah, look, all God says all the bad consequences that you read about in His Word, they are going to happen because of the sins that have been committed by your grandfather and father. But because of the way you responded and your heart responded to my Word, it's not going to happen in your lifetime. I'm going to show mercy. I'm going to spare you and the people. Josiah then leads his whole government administration and the whole nation in a renewal of their covenant with God. Josiah cleans out the temple. He takes out all the junk that his grandfather and father put in there. He has a Passover celebration nationwide that says in the Scriptures it was a Passover celebration like no other had ever been celebrated in the history of Israel. And, and he has all the idols in the land and the high places, uh, little places of worship. He has them destroyed and removed. Josiah's turnaround leads to a nationwide turnaround. And how did it all start? It started with the Word of God being read and a young man listening and that young man then calling out to God and being responsive. Look, I know for some of us, it might seem like things in your family are dark. It might seem like things in your neighborhood are dark. It might seem like dark times in this city. But I want to tell you, the lamp of the Lord has not gone out. The light of His Word has not gone out. It is never too late to change the atmosphere of your home. It's never too late to change the spiritual tone in your family or change the spiritual atmosphere in your neighborhood or in a church or in a city. Bringing the Word of God into it can supernaturally bring a change that we cannot do on our own. It is so simple. It just takes one moment. And you can do just what Josiah's assistant did. You can start with your own home. You can simply just read the Word of God aloud. And I believe that it will change the atmosphere in your home spiritually. You may not detect it immediately, but I tell you, man, if you're having troubles where you feel like there's just not peace, you can't sleep, there's things going wrong, there's tension and there's problems, I just challenge you, open up the Word of God and read it out loud in your house. And maybe you're a little embarrassed to do that because you haven't done something like that, you haven't taken some spiritual steps like that before, then do it at night when nobody's looking. And just read it, kind of whisper it out loud in your home. Take some spiritual action. Do something. Change the spiritual atmosphere in your life. The Word of God has supernatural power. You can do like uh, what, what Jos uh, Josiah's assistant did, and you could read it aloud in front of your family. You may or may not see a, a, a results that you want, but you can know for sure that the Word of God is, is actively going out. It is doing what it says it will do. It will shed light. It will soften hearts. It will bring some joy. It will renew a soul. It will sort out thoughts and attitudes that are causing fights and disagreements within your home. But you've got to take time to bring it into contact with yourself and the young ones and the next generation around you. 
You've got to take time for the Word of God. Now, how are you going to make that happen? And when are you going to start? It comes down to the practical, doesn't it? Well, how often did Samuel tend the tabernacle of the Lord before his heart was awakened to the Word of the Lord? Daily. He was there daily, and then it just so happened on one of those days, we don't know which day it was, but on one of those days, because he was within calling distance, the Lord awakened his heart to be able to see and to hear. You might be opening up the Word of God. You might be having it read in your home daily. But you don't know what day it is that God's going to choose to awaken a heart in your home. You have no idea, but you've got to be a faithful priest in your home to open up the Word, to bring it into contact with the people around you. How many hours of television and computer screen time do you take in? What do you think it is for you? I think for uh, the average for Americans, uh, and not including work screen time, but you know your iPhone and iPod screen time, uh, the entertainment time, they, they say it's around three hours is the average. Some four. Three to four hours of screen time, entertainment time. And I know that all the stuff that we take in and listen to, there's bits and stuff from the world system that get thrown at us, and it's really stuff from the world system that opposes God's system, His kingdom, His way of doing things. And so we're taking in sometimes quite a bit of garbage. And, and I just go, you know, what would happen if you just took about 15 minutes a day to counter some of that. I mean, three hours average a week, you know, three times six, so you know, about 18 hours a week. What if you just took 15 minutes a day? I mean, it's not much, but you know, this is a supernatural book. And you just give it a little time, and it can take up supernatural space and supernatural time in your life. I just want to just give it 15 minutes. Give it a try. How about you start countering all that stuff that you take in with a little bit of hearing the Word of God. You, know, you might have a bit of a battle to do that, to bring the Word of God to yourself and into your home. It's not an easy thing to do. There'll be things that will try to oppose it. Your own flesh, your own habits, all those things are going to get in the way. It's not easy to take something new and make it a part of your daily routine to make it a good habit in your life. You know, uh, Stephen Covey and those other guys who talk about creating good habits in your life, and uh, they say it takes 21 days straight to really develop a new habit, a good habit. 20 day, 21 days in a row. But to add that, you might have to say goodbye to something else that takes up time and space. You know, what is that for you? You know, is it, is it the morning paper? Is it the, the quick turn on the screen to see, like, the headlines? What, what, what is it? You might have to change that habit and leave it behind to start a new habit. You know, maybe what you can do is you can help each other within your family. You know, once a week, uh, after our family has a, a meal around the table, each member of my family goes around and they share what they've been learning from God. And if they haven't been reading the Word of God, then... Option two is you share something that you're learning from life. And uh, even if you're a guest and you show up at our table on this night with our family, uh, you're required to participate. 
and you have to say at least one sentence. So even if you haven't been reading the Word of God, there's got to be something you've been learning from life. And so everyone shares. And uh, because of this, each of my kids have been learning how to develop a regular intake of the Word of God on their own. Now that didn't happen instantly, but over time. But the thing that has been consistent is everyone coming together to share. And maybe you can start doing something like that to encourage one another in this trying to make a new change to come in contact with the Word of God. You know what? Maybe you'll start it and everyone, everyone will fail to read the Word of God for the whole week. And even if that happens, but everyone shows up, open up the Word of God right then and there. Open it up and say, hey, it was great, had a good meal, that was fun, nobody read this week, so we'll just read right now. And read a chapter from the New Testament somewhere and just take a moment to come in contact with the Word of God. I'm telling you, it has supernatural power. Well, I'm going to have the band coming up right now. I just want you to know that, that you know, we try to have these elements within the gathering, but in this gathering, it's just a few moments on a Sunday. And again, like I said, there's a lot of other things that we take in. We take in through our eyes and through our ears throughout the rest of the week. And, and so every once in a while, you're going to hear this challenge from the leadership of this church, a challenge for you to get into the Word of God. This is one of those moments. It's one of those moments where it's, it's about, you know, we talk about love, loyalty, and friendship of Jesus Christ and how we can grow in that. This is one of those things how you can grow in your love for the Lord by knowing Him. How do you love someone? You get to know them. You need to get to know Him. You need to get to know Him through His Word. We, we have things to help people with that. On our website, one of the things I highly recommend is something called journables. Uh, it's, it's where you're kind of writing out a short, short passage of Scripture, a few verses, you write it out. And something about writing it out makes you think about it. And then on the other blank page, you kind of write down what stood out to you. And you can write down a prayer. It's very simple, very easy. Not no silly questions or anything like that. Another thing uh, that we have even back here right now is something I started when I was 14 years old. When I first started reading the Word of God, uh, was a little, again, a few scriptures every day that are kind of packaged together in weekly uh, topics, but uh, again, a blank page, just kind of read it, write down what stood out to you, write down a favorite verse, write down your prayer. It's called Daily Discovery. We have some of those back there. Uh, so either way, I mean, we got some stuff that can help if, if you want it, if you want to take the challenge. But... I want you to know that you and I, look, we, we can't change the people around us. That's only something that God's Spirit can do. I mean, we, we can't even change ourselves without outside help. But with outside help from God and the catalysts of His supernatural Word, change can happen in a person's heart. A heart can be awakened. It just takes a moment. I just want to pray right now and then we're going to continue our worship. Heavenly Father, in this moment, I just pray, Father, that somehow your spirit is actively working in ways that I can't or no human can. That your spirit is speaking to hearts right now. And Lord, I pray that there would be some sort of compelling, like that assistant to Josiah that just says, I, I just got to do this. I got I to gotta read 
this. I got to open up the Word of God. And Lord, whether they do it alone or with their family or with a group of people at work or whatever it may be, Lord, just, I, I just pray that you would help us starting getting in contact with your Word so that we might know you better and love you better. You told us the greatest thing we can do is to love you with all our hearts. But how can we do that when our hearts don't know you? God, we need to know you. We need to come in contact with your word. And Father, there's a whole generation that needs to come in contact with you. Make us aware of the young people in our own homes, the young people in our neighborhoods. Lord, show us ways to get the, bring the word into contact with them, whether it's uh, having them over on a special night at our house for dinner or, or getting them to kids' camp where they're going to come in contact with your word. God, help us. Lord, we thank you that despite us, you are still working and actively speaking to young hearts, awakening them, bringing them in contact with you and your word. Lord, in this moment, I pray that we would learn to commune with you, learn to commune through your word, learn to commune together as the body of Christ. I pray this in Jesus' name. Would you stand with me right now? And I want to read to you from the word of God about a next moment that we're going to have here. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 11. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. That is from the Word of God. And we are about to enter into that moment that Jesus asked of us to do. And I want us to do it. I want us to remember. I want us to do what the Word of God says. And do this in a united way as the body of Christ. So around the room, you'll see people holding a goblet with juice representing his blood, a plate with bread representing his body. Take the bread, dip it in the juice. Remember what he has done for you. During this next song and during the worship, you can respond at any time. You can come up. There's no hurry. There's no rush. You can share as a family. You can do it individually. You can do this if you go to another church that has a different name. It's all about, do you belong to Jesus Christ? Do you wear his name? Are you a Christ follower? Do you believe what he did on the cross was for you? If you do, we, we would like you to join us in taking this communion. In Jesus' name, amen.